Well, if you have, if you have your Bibles, why don't you turn with me real quick to Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20 is where we're going to land today. Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 14 through 20. So we have been going through our core values as a church, and we've been taking some time, and we've been talking through. We have four core values that we have. And so if you are, um, maybe you're newer to the church and you're not really sure what the church is about, or maybe you've been coming for a while, um, it's either a good refresher or maybe it's an opportunity for for you to learn a little bit about the church. Now, the bad news is if this is your first time, this is the last core value. So over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our different core values. And so next week is our, or this week is our last core value. And then actually next week, you got to come back next week because Pastor Nate is going to be talking on Shamgar. So that should be really exciting. But anyways, so this is the last week of our core values. If you missed any of them, you can actually go online and you can watch it either on our Facebook page or you can watch it on our YouTube page, on our YouTube page and you can catch up on all of our different ones. So over the last uh, three weeks, and this is the fourth week, we've been talking about our core values. And so can you guys say with me faith, community, worship, and evangelism? All right, now I've been trying to do different, different accents every time. Now can you give it in, in your best Jersey accent? Faith, community, worship, and evangelism. Nolan, yes, thank you very much, sir. Let's do it one more time. Faith, community, worship, and evangelism. <laughs> okay, uh, that was perfect. So we've been going through our core values. And so again, we're going to Mark chapter 1. Verses 14 through 20, we talked about faith the first week, community the second week. Last week we talked about worship, and this week we're talking about evangelism. And so, again, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20, it says this. And this is kind of early in Jesus' ministry. It says this. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel, and gospel means good news, preaching the good news of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. Now, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because sometimes when we think about the good news, we don't think about repenting. But did you know that repentance is connected with the good news? That's exciting, isn't it? Keep on reading. It says, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you, and you will become fishers of men. Follow me, and you will become fishers of men. They immediately, look to your neighbor and say immediately. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were also in the boat mending nets. And immediately, look to your neighbor and say immediately. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. I'm just going to read all that one more time so that it can really soak in. Starting again at verse 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will uh, make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, 
and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Lord, be with us this morning through the proclamation of your word, Father. As we talk through our uh, last core value, may it just minister to us this morning. May you, again, receive all the glory and the praise, Father. We thank you that we have this time to come and worship and praise. And now I just pray that your word will do its work, Father. I pray that your good news will do its work and that um, it'll bring about in us just an acknowledgement of your spirit, and um, I just pray that there'll be quickening in our hearts, and again, that you'll be glorified in your holy name. Amen. Now, what's interesting about this passage of scripture, again, we're talking about evangelism, evangelism today. Can you look at your neighbor and say evangelism? Evangelism, evangelism, evangelism. So what's interesting So here's a call. Jesus is calling his disciples. Now, what's interesting is um, when I read this passage, it looks like um, we have Simon and Andrew, James and John, who are all fishermen. Do you agree with that? Do you agree with that? And, And so it looks like Jesus had 12 disciples, 12 of his closest people. It looks like four of them at least were fishermen. Um, I would say that maybe even more than four of them were fishermen. He called them uh, by the sea, and uh, they followed him for about three and a half years, and then he was crucified. And then um, in John chapter 21, um, they kind of go back to what they were doing before. And if you look in John chapter 21, look at this. John chapter 21, verses 2 and 3, it says, so they're going back. It says, Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, so, 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 so there was two, and, and two other of his disciples were together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going to go fishing. So I would argue that at least four of the disciples were fishermen. Maybe even seven of them were fishermen. Whoa, mind blown, right? So you think out of the 12 disciples, potentially, seven of them were fishermen. Seven of them were fishermen. Now, if you can kind of imagine with me, uh, you know, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, up in heaven, and they're predetermining, maybe they're thinking through who, who they're going to call. And you think about, okay, these are the people that are going to be with Jesus, and they're going to be the people that are going to spread the gospel, and they're going to be people that are going to step out in power, and they're going to be the people that are going to, uh, really, we're going to, like the, the, the Spirit's going to move through them, and they're going to do amazing transformational things, and they're going to start the church and when you think about the occupation that the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were like, like they're talking and, and talking back and forth, and I can imagine maybe the Father talking and saying, you know, I think, um, I, maybe we sh- I think maybe we should have one of them be a fisherman. And then the, and then, and then the, then the Son is ch- t- ch- ch- chirps in, is like, no, you know, I think maybe we should have two of them be a fisherman. Then the Holy Spirit chirps in, and the Holy Spirit's like, you know, I, th- I think maybe we should have more than two of them be fishermen. I think maybe we should have three of them be fishermen. And then if you can think, they're like, they keep on talking, like, well, you know, we also have, you know, I know Peter's kind of crazy, but he has a lot of potential, so maybe we'll have four of them be fishermen. Well, maybe we'll have five, but, but they go and there's seven of them 
that are fishermen, which seems like an extreme. It seems like a lot that you would choose seven of them, more than half of them potentially to be fishermen. And as I read it, I wonder, why did he choose so many fishermen? In my mind, I almost feel like it would have been more beneficial for Jesus to pick people that, I don't know, like, like maybe people that uh, had lots of money, right? I mean, that'd be cool, right? Picking people that have lots of money. I mean, how many of you guys want friends that have lots of money? Raise your hand. Praise no one? Okay, maybe just me. Okay, okay. or maybe you're picking someone. Maybe you want someone. So, so if you have a lot of money, then you can fund all your missions trips, and you can fund all your building projects, and you can like, do all your fun stuff, and you can buy some jet skis in the name of the Lord, and you can buy some speedboats in the name of the Lord. You can buy some four-wheelers. And the, like, like, it seems like, why don't you pick uh, someone that has a lot of money? Or why don't you pick someone who's very influential? Like, why don't you pick some politician? Or why don't you pick someone that's in charge of something? Or someone that has sway in the community? But it's, it's again, I wonder why he picked so many fishermen. It seems kind of strange. Paul said he knows why. I, I wonder why he picked so many fishermen. But he speaks to these ordinary, dirty, smelly, as a fisherman smell, smelly fishermen. And he gives them a call. Right? And it's, it, it's actually quite simple. If you look back again at verse 17, it says, And then Jesus said to them, Follow me. A simple call. And the truth is that that call was meant for those fishermen, but also that call is meant for you and it's meant for me. It's not a simple, it's not like a a call that's just meant for the, the wealthy. It's not a call that's just meant for the influential It's not a call that's just meant for the powerful. It's not a call that's just meant for the 49ers fans. Praise the Lord, right? They beat the Packers. It's not a call that's just meant for the the, the light. Like, it's a call that's universal. It's interesting because Paul, when speaking to the church in Rome, when he was talking about the, the, the Jews and the Gentiles, this is what he said. He says in verse 9, he says, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, for it's with your heart that, one's be- that, that, that one believes unto righteousness, and with your mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever, it's not just a certain person or a certain type of person, it says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jews and Greeks, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This call is universal, and it's a call that God gives us today. Now, when you hear the word follow, you, you, you might maybe be lost in the vernacular of today. So when, when you hear the word follow, you, you might think of following someone on Instagram, or you might think about following someone on Twitter. 
You might think of just a click and, a, and then that's it. But, but this call that Jesus gave them was a very intentional call. It was an invitation. It was an invitation for someone to follow Jesus closely. It was an invitation for someone to follow him step by step in his ministry. It was an invitation for someone to walk with him. It was, a, it was an invitation for someone to run with him. It was an invitation for someone to eat with him. It was, someone, it was an invitation for someone to reside with him. It, you were living life with this person. It was a very close invitation. In fact, that's what rabbis would often do in biblical times. They would invite. And what's interesting is a rabbi would invite, but they would often only invite the best of the best to be their students. So this idea that Jesus, a rabbi, invited ordinary, stinky, dirty men to be his his students, and not just one of them, not just two of them, not just three of them, not just four of them, not just five of them, not just six of them, but seven of them them to be his students would have been insane. It would have been crazy. But this, this call... To walk, it's, it, it, it's, an, it, 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 it's, it's a call to follow Jesus. It's a call to pursue Jesus. You know, and I think, I think um, again, I think that invitation still stands today. There's an invitation for us to follow Jesus. Now, now listen, it, it, the, the invitation um, isn't, it isn't as pain-free as, as clicking a button uh, on Twitter or clicking a button on Instagram. It's not that simple. It's an invitation to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. It's an invitation to pursue him. It's an invitation to go after him. It's an invitation to be with him. And it's an invitation that's universal. Our faith is about following Jesus. Our faith is about following Jesus. Um... Why did he choose so many fishermen? Our faith is about following Jesus. Um, And I would say it's interesting because when you spend time with someone, um, you learn about their habits. you You learn about their likes. You learn about their dislikes. You learn about the types of food that they like. You learn about the entertainment that they enjoy. You learn things about people's perspective if you spend enough time with them, don't you? Like, so have you ever have you ever um have you ever went on a date before? You know, you go on a date with someone, and you spend a little bit of time with them, and very quickly realize that you're not a good match. Have you ever done that before? You go on a like, oh my goodness, like we do not have the same likes, we do not have the same dis, like like you are crazy. Like, have you ever, anyone done that before? Like, you know what I'm talking about? Like, what's, like when you're with someone long enough, when you're with someone long enough, you learn about their habits, you learn about their likes, you learn about their dislikes, you learn about the food that they like, you learn about the entertainment that they enjoy, you learn about that person's perspective. If you spend enough time with someone, they begin to rub off on you. And it's interesting because I think sometimes if you're with the wrong people, um, you can start getting the wrong perspective on things. 
Um, you start saying the same things. You start finishing each other's sentences. You start to know um, what makes that person tick. Um, sometimes uh, it, even, it even begins to change your heart. It even begins to change your passion, you know, like when you're with someone for a while. I remember I served with a, a pastor um, for a while when we were in Illinois, and him and I were just completely different people. He was, uh, we got along really well. We were like opposites. And the more time that I spent with him, I used to just be kind of a person that just kind of go off and say things and not really think much about things. But as I began to spend more time with him, I began to get more of a heart for people and more of a heart for people's desires and people's passions and being, uh, I don't know, like not as brash with people. And he began to rub off on me. And I think when you're with someone long enough, It changes your perspective. And so here's this invitation that Jesus had. He said, listen, if you come and follow me, um, it's going to change you. And I think there's an inward change when you follow Jesus. Do you agree with me this morning? There's an inward change. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you realize your sin. And the more you realize that you need his mercy and grace. The closer you get to Jesus, you realize, man, um, there are some things that I need to change. There are some... Habits, maybe, that I need to adjust. The closer you get to Jesus, uh, you realize that maybe there are some things that need to be refined. The closer you get to Jesus, the, the more you realize that, 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 that maybe you need to be molded a little bit more. You need to be crafted a little bit more. You need to be pruned a little bit more. The closer you get to Jesus, suddenly you begin to see things in your life that need to be changed. Suddenly you see things in your life that need to be transformed. And the further away you get from Jesus, you get bigger and bigger blind spots. But the closer you get to Jesus, man, he just begins to change your perspective. He begins to change the way that you look at yourself. He begins to change the way that you, there's an inward change. But also I would argue that the closer you get to Jesus, there's also an outward change. When you spend time with Jesus, you start seeing people around you. And the world looks different. And there's a shift. You don't only see yourself, but you begin to see other people as well. Look at verse 17 again. It says, And then Jesus said to them, Follow me, And then look what happens after that. He says, follow me, and I will make you, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to make you better. No, he says, and I will make you, look, when we follow him, he says, I will make you fishers of men. There's a change in perspective. There's a change in your heart. There's a change in your passion. You know, that's really what evangelism is all about. It's about following Jesus so closely that he changes you on the inside and then you begin to see things differently on the outside. It's interesting when in Acts chapter 1, Jesus had died, he'd been resurrected. And he came and he spoke to his disciples. It says that he spoke to them over a period of 40 days about the kingdom of God. He's talking, and that's a long time to talk about one subject, but for 40 days about the kingdom of God. And when he gets done speaking, his disciples say to him, are you at this time going to restore your kingdom? So now that you've talked about the kingdom, 
are you going to restore it now? Like, 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 like we know that you were gone for a little bit, and, and now are you coming back, and, and now are you going to restore it? You know, have you ever met someone who, 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 who studies a lot on the eschatology type of stuff, where uh, they're always trying to figure out when Jesus is coming? You know, they, and it was a 19, uh, 88 reasons why Christ is coming back in uh, 1988. You know what I'm talking about? Or I remember when Y2K happened, it was like, yeah, everything's going to end in, in Y2K. I remember when 2012 happened, it was like, you know what, uh, 2012, the end of the Mayan calendar. So, so they, they're asking themselves, like, like, are you at this time? So we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven. I think, think sometimes when it comes to evangelism, we think, oh, you know, I just have to, I have to time it out. And, you know, the Lord is coming soon. I got to get ready. I got to store my stuff down in my basement. I have to load my gun. I got to get ready. But, but listen, listen, are you at this time? going to restore your kingdom. And this is what he said, which is very interesting. He said, it is not for you to know the times that the Father has set. But, he said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witness. You'll be my witness. You'll be my witness. I think when we follow Jesus close enough, when we pursue him close enough, it changes our perspective. And the natural response to us being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit is we become his witness. You know what, Pastor Evan? Maybe you are correct. Maybe you are correct that I need to be his witness. But um, that's true. I believe that that's true. But I think I'm going to wait for Jesus. And uh, uh, I'm I'm going to wait to follow Jesus. And and I think I'm just going to wait to fish for people. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait because I, listen, I'm going to wait because I just don't have enough resources. I'm going to wait because I don't have enough knowledge. I'm going to wait because the football game's on this afternoon. I'm going to wait because I just don't have enough time. I'm going to wait because I'm very, very busy. I'm, I'm going to wait because I have other things in my life that I need to get in order first. I know that it's important. I know that it's important. But I'm going to wait. If you look at the passage again, they immediately left their nets. Why did he choose fishermen? They immediately left their nets and they followed him. They immediately, there was an, there was an imminency to the call. There comes a time in your life when your perspective changes. I think there comes a time in your life when... Um, your focus moves from the physical to the eternal. Uh, there comes a time in your life where you realize that um, God calls ordinary, stinky, smelly people all the time. He's just looking for people who are willing to be obedient. And he's looking for people that are willing to respond to the call. He's looking for people that are willing to follow immediately. He's looking for people that do not have excuses. He's looking for people that um, are willing to step out in faith. He's, willing for, he's looking for people that, um, who, who repent and turn from their ways and follow him. He's looking for people that are willing to tell the good news. 
And um, I think sometimes we, we, we overcomplicate it. I think as Christians, we have bait when we go fishing, right? It's not like we're, we're fishing with nothing. It's not like we're fishing with a, uh, an empty hook. It's not like we're fishing with something that, like, we have bait when we go fishing. Have you thought about that today? Like, your story this morning, your testimony this morning is bait that you can use to bring people into the kingdom of God. Who you were, how you met him, and how your life is right now. Your story is a testimony of how, um, is, is a testimony and is a way that you can use bait to reach people for Christ. Also, I just think the goodness of the Lord is bait that we can use this morning, right? Like taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. Like when you just share about the goodness of the Lord, you can, you can go into your workplace and you can say, hey, you know, someone could say, man, my life really stinks. You can say, you know what? I was at church on Sunday morning and the Lord moved in my life in a powerful way. And my pastor prayed with me. You know, I was, um, uh, I, I was in my prayer closet on Tuesday morning and I was praying. And I really felt like the Lord was ministering me, ministering, ministering to me and telling me that he was going to be my provider. And go figure, when I opened up the mail, there was a check there that I wasn't expecting. Like, we can speak of the goodness of the Lord, and I think that's bait that we can use to reach people this morning. Like, amen, I mean, I, mean, I feel like sometimes we, 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 we say, you know what, I might have some bait, but I'm going to put the bait, I'm going to set it in my back pocket, I'm going to hold off, but the Lord has given us, like, when we taste and see that the Lord is good, amen, like, when we follow him closely and he changes our perspective, man, we become fishers of men. And I wonder, I wonder this question. I really do. I wonder this question. I wonder if, if we aren't fishing, are we really following If we aren't fishing, how closely are we really following? Like, when, when was the last time, I wonder, when was the last time I, I shared of the goodness of the Lord? When was the last time, other than on a Sunday morning, where I'm casting, I feel like on a Sunday morning you're just kind of casting your nets in the shallows. But when was the last time I actually cast into the deep? If we aren't fishing, if we aren't searching, how closely are we really following? Lord, I just pray this morning as your spirit moves. 